going on, Steelers Nation? Live from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's Euler Emotes inside the Electric Factory with you here for the next two hours on SNR. And Arthur Motes, you yelled at me yesterday because I, <laughs> I wanted to start the show with some, I don't even know if negativity, but just some, some struggles maybe was the more apt way to put it. But today, Motesy, I got positivity for you. All right, here we go. As Give it we to me. get things going down here on a rainy south side, James Conner practiced yesterday for the Pittsburgh Steelers in a limited capacity, but still for the first time since sustaining that injury that shoulder injury, that AC joint injury against the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football. James Conner back at it yesterday, and that is a massive development for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I, I do like it. Like I said, the fact that he was out there, that is a huge step in the right direction. I didn't like that it was in a limited capacity, and I did not like the move they made this morning in terms of Sutton Smith. They brought him in yesterday. Sent him home today, brought the running back back. I think it's uh, D Darren Hall, Hall, right? Yes, yeah. the pit man. Yes, so with that, it made me start to have my questions and my concerns. Why are they doing this? Absolutely. If, if, Every if, move's always got a corresponding absolutely. move, Absolutely. Right? So I'm like, hey, if he's good to go, why are you bringing him back? So you think, actually, I wanted to start the day with some positive news, but you might be the one who's looking at it the opposite way here, saying that if he was limited in practice yesterday and then they're making these moves today – Maybe they're not as confident with nah. what happened yesterday. Well, I think today would be the big kicker because a sure. limited capacity could simply be you're dressed for stretch. You do the individual part where, hey, run a route on air, catch the ball, right. run, do the walkthrough portion, and that's it. It's no contact. It's no real physical exertion associated with that. And that's why I'm just like it was a step in the right direction for him to at least be out there because that was more than what he did last week. But today is the day. Today we're going to find out, okay, is he limited? Is he a full participant? What's going on from there? And that's what I'm interested to see. But them bringing back Darren Hall definitely made me have some questions. Uh, like, made ah. your ears, make your ears perk up a little right, bit. Right, because you made the move yesterday with Sutton Smith because you were confident, hey, James is out here. Trey Edmonds, all right, we're going to see what you got. Trade and and they moved uh, Ulysses Gilbert yes. to IR, so that creates an opportunity, a spot there right. to bring Sutton back. So that's why I was kind of like, okay, I like how this is looking right now. Today, though, yeah. a little bit in the opposite direction. I, I just didn't like that move this morning. It instantly made me wonder, like, all right, today's going to be the truth. We're going to find out today. So, see, I thought I was bringing a bunch of positivity here to start the show, but now you got me questioning myself. I mean, it, it is. It's, like I said, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Because at least he's out at there. At least he's out there. Last week, he wasn't out there in any capacity. Right. So, regardless of if it's limited or not, he wasn't even capable of doing that portion of practice. Which, like I said, stretch an individual, that's the easiest part of practice, especially at this time of the season. But today's the real. Today's the day. Today's the Today, real thing to watch for. This can be a very positive thing. If he goes out there and he's a full participant, then absolutely, Wes, that's how you started out, man, being positive. But if he's not, <laughs> then I'm going to get on you for bringing up the negativity today. Dang uh, it. <laughs> I thought I set myself up here for a layup. I'm about to get dunked on instead. Some interesting – I was, you know, I was doing some research this morning, as I always do, and uh, Mark Cabali of The Athletic, an interesting – The Mark Cabali. The Mark Cabali, Mr. Walking Around with a Coffee Cup in His 
shorts all the time. Always and in the cargo shorts. Got those huge cargo shorts. I kid you not, half the time he's got like an extra large Dunkin' Donuts yeah. coffee cup <laughs> shoved in the side <laughs> pants. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, man. Uh, he, an interesting story, and we're going to have Brian Backo on in the Post-Gazette here coming up with us in about 10 minutes. We'll have to ask him his practice observations too. But Mark Caballi writing about how uh, Mike Tomlin and company have changed some things in the practice department this season, and particularly these last few weeks, right? So these last couple weeks, practices have averaged 90 minutes mm. and not the typical two hours that they yes. do. Uh, they've cut down on reps. Mm-hmm. The team, get this, hasn't worn pads in practice since October 13th, mm-hmm. uh, almost a month here, you know, a week away from being a, mu- a oh, month. Yeah. And that is something that in his 13-year tenure here in Pittsburgh, a rather large sample size, that this is a first for Mike Tomlin and kind of dialing back some of the stuff and some of the time involvement in practice. And I wonder if that's situationally this year because of a lot of the injuries. I wonder if that's just veteran players and a history of it, them asking him to, hey, you know, now that we're halfway through the season and we're all kind of playing through different ailments and injuries, can we dial things back a little bit? What's your thoughts on that, though, when you hear as someone who's been there as part of Mike Tomlin's practices that he has been dialing things back a little bit these past two weeks? Yeah, um, typically he does do that. Now, in terms of the practice length, he usually doesn't dial that back, but the padded practices, he is very cognizant of the amount that he's used and when he used them. He always threatens us with them like, hey, just know I got three bullets left. That means three padded practices. So if y'all go out here and y'all aren't performing and y'all aren't y'all aren't looking physical, then I will, you know, use one of those. You're out here lollygagging. Right. So that was kind of how he would motivate us and keep us understanding that, hey, just because we don't have pads on doesn't mean we could come out here and not work hard. We can't be efficient. But at this time of the season, it becomes more so about getting your guys into the stadium as healthy as possible. Right. And I think he understands that um, – I think the biggest transition I saw was probably my second, no, my third year. Second year was obviously when we went on the four-game skid, lost to Miami. He used a couple of those bullets on us. Yeah, but uh, 16 and 17, he did a really good job as far as taking care of us. I think in 17, the last, we might have used them week nine, maybe. And then from then on, we didn't have them again until the bye week going into the uh, the playoffs, okay. the, the bye week during the playoffs and Before everything Jackson, like that. Yes. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and – it's there's only so much you could can do from a CBA standpoint. In Correct, there, right? Fourteen padded practices a season. Eleven of those have to come before week eleven. So there's some guidelines there. But you mentioned there getting guys into stadiums as healthy as possible, and I think that's the big kicker, right? Especially when you consider I hadn't thought about this until this morning. The Steelers are in the midst here of playing four games in seventeen days. Mm-hmm. If you start with the Monday night Miami game, right? And then next Thursday, a week from today, when the Steelers right. head to Cleveland, four games in 17 days, Motsi. That's that's a crazy ask for me when you look at it like that and, and just the physicality that we all know comes in the National Football League in a week-to-week grind. And you obviously know much better than me from personal experience. But four games in 17 days – you're going to have to do some due diligence in, in keeping your body ready, getting yourself ready to go, and, and make sure you're not putting too much on these guys in a short period of time. Yeah, absolutely. We always laugh as players when the media says four games in 17 days as if, hey, when you're going into the last couple weeks of the preseason, you do that as well. And we always just laugh because during the preseason, it's okay. No one really makes a big deal out of it because, oh, it's just preseason. Even though outside of probably 15 guys on that roster, everybody else is still out there practicing Everybody else still has to go out there and play in the game. But 
for media purposes, it's like a, such a big deal. But, four games in 17 days. Like, oh, my gosh. What are you going to do? How's That's only oh four days gosh. on average between those games. Yeah, what? But for the players, I mean, you're not worried about that. You understand on a Thursday night game, that week you're not going to do any physical practice. It's going to be two walkthroughs. Just you have a travel body game. ready. Right, absolutely. Just rest and recover. Yeah, and then after that you go. got the long weekend after the Thursday night game. So, you know, that benefits you going into the following week. And that's kind of pretty much how you maneuver through that. But then it's also – on the players to understand that, hey, during this type of stretch, you don't need to be out late at night on your feet because you know you're not going to have the typical additional day here or there to fully recover. You know that you need to make sure that, hey, on a, on a short week, you got to condense your rehab and the, the work that you get done from a maintenance standpoint, your massages, your chiropractors, make sure that all of that's lined up because you don't have the luxury of, oh, I usually get it on Thursday. If I don't go Thursday, I can always go Friday or Saturday. You don't have that luxury right now. So that's the biggest element of it. But from the player's mentality standpoint, you don't care, man. You're going to go out there and do your job, and nobody's going to give you an excuse. If the Steelers go out there and lose right. four games in 17 days, we're not going to say, oh, but it was four games in 17 days. That's so tough. No, you're going to say, man, this team lost four games that they should have won two or three of these games, and that's on them, and they got to step up in that regard. So that's just the nature of the beast. You know why? Because they don't ask how. Uh-oh. They ask how many. Hey, it's, it's a double-edged sword, baby. I guess at least in that, on the on a, a more positive note, I guess at least those four games in 17 days, right, you get the first three at home, mm-hmm. and then the next one's in Cleveland, which is your closest opponent that you could possibly Correct. play in the National Football nice League. Nice little bus Steelers. right away. You look at that, and okay, maybe that makes it more manageable, less travel in there for the Steelers as well too, but you know what I think plays into this when I'm looking at it from a macro, you know, from a bigger picture in the standpoint of not just the week-to-week grind, but the whole season upcoming here, the second half of the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm. After uh, the Sunday night here when the Rams come across across the country to play the Steelers Sunday afternoon, I should say, not Sunday night, you got five of your next seven games on the road after Mm -hmm. that. And what's going to be – some some trips out to Arizona, you know, and some and some, you know, you could have a bad weather, some bad weather games mixed in there as well too. You got to go up to New York mm-hmm. and in December. I really think that this is, again too, from a macro view of all the injuries and and some of the the bangs and bruises that the Steelers are still dealing with now. I think, you know, the old school faction, right, Tunch and Wolf, they don't like the practice intensities getting dialed down. Uh, but speaking from your experience, this time of year, probably the right decision. Yeah, it's only the right decision if the players respond the right way. Ooh. It works when you have players that are going to go out there and still get their work in. They're still going to practice at a high level, and then when they get into the game, they're still going to go out there and be a physical group. They're going to be fundamentally sound. If they are lacking in that element, well, then I can assure you, Coach Tom is not going to sit back and just allow that to happen. He's not going to keep shortening these practices and taking pads off these guys if they don't respond accordingly. That's just how he is. So in that regard, we liked it as players because we said to ourselves, hey, we had two things that we knew. If we don't want to practice in pads, make sure we're super physical when we're out there in the game. And if you want, if you don't want to have to come into work on Monday, win on Sunday. Win the game. Period. That's yeah. how it is. You don't get victory Mondays when you're losing. No. And you don't get what we call the, the uh, a free bone if you're a dog in terms of not having to be in pads if you're losing. No, you got to go out here and execute at a high level. You have to go out here and perform. And not only does that help the players, but it helps the coaching staff as well. They understand that, hey, if I can 
have my guys still play at a high level, but I don't have to have them in pads during the week. Well, I know I'm going to get a fresher guy on Sunday. Sure. I know if they go out there and win on Sunday, when I get an extra day to prepare for my new opponent, we don't have to come in on Monday and review this tape of you getting beat, review this tape of, oh, we sure. need to correct this and correct that. We're able to say, hey, we're good here. Let's go to the next thing. So it works both ways, and that's why coaches and players both want this thing to go the right way and why they put so much effort into that. Put the effort in. When the results are there, you reap the rewards, Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Three-game win streak here, four of your last five, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's, it's nice to see just the, the mood around here has, has swung in a big uptick in a big way without a doubt, and I'm sure like you mentioned the victory. Monday played a part in that. Oh, yeah, man. When you win in games, man, and you know you don't have to come in on a Monday, it's like, man, it's different when you're coming in because it's optional. Like, you choose to come in. Yes. Like, we would still have guys, like, we would obviously come over here to work out and stuff like that, but we would say, hey, look, guys, as a defense, let's come watch this tape together. Let's come correct some of these errors. Sure. But it's different when you're doing it. When you're required to at, be Yeah, there. right, versus, like, it's time. mandatory this time versus, hey, what time y'all want to come in? Okay, I'll bring the food. Okay, cool, let's do this then. Like, that's fun. That's what makes you get close with your teammates, with your brothers. That's also what helps you feel more motivated to keep having success because you like this flexibility you like being able to say well you know what usually if we lose i gotta come in here what time on monday since we want i could take my kids to school today that feels good then oh we coming in here at 12 oh perfect let's do that then so those are some of the things that are associated with that man which is why it's always important to win Man, I've got a little experience in that department. Oh, the hockey team that I worked for in Ohio. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, I've told you some stories before. We had a road trip, a Friday, Saturday night stand in Fargo Ooh. against the Fargo Force. Fargo, Fargo North, Dakota. North Dakota. 19 and a half hour bus ride from Youngstown, oh Ohio. Gosh, they did y'all greasy. Friday and Saturday night, Motsi. We coughed up leads in both of those games. Ended up, ended up losing both Friday and Saturday night in overtime. 19 and a half out. We leave Saturday night oh, after the man. game for a 19 and a half hour bus ride, right? Oh. So it's 9.30 Sunday night by the time we get home. Yeah. And I just knew it was coming. And we get there and we pull into the rink and the co our coach, John Robleski, goes, all right, see you guys at 8 a.m. tomorrow. And I'm just oh. Like, oh, man. That hurts. Come on. I've been on this bus for 20 that hours. Hurts. I've been gone for a week. I just want to get to bed. So, yeah, it's always nice to reap those positive rewards. Yes, indeed, from man. Uh, from, from a weekend of, of good performances. We'll talk next upcoming here what he's seen in practice with Brian Backo, our buddy from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and also Aaron Donald and his first professional return to Pennsylvania. Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joins us next inside the Electric Factory. Euler and Motes at Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. He comes not only with his knowledge and his expertise, but also snacks for us every Thursday. Joining us inside the Electric Factory at this time, our weekly tradition, our good friend of the show. We only have two of those, Jordan only Dangerfield two. and from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Brian Backo. He came today with Sun Chips. And Sun Chips a sneaky, underrated snack here, I'm telling you. Oh, man. They're not something that I necessarily seek out, but every time I have some Sun Chips, I'm left feeling very satisfied. Wes, I want to say Sun Chips burst onto the scene when I was in, like, middle school maybe. I'm 28, and I want to say that they kind of started – you started seeing them around yeah. when I was in, like, fifth or sixth grade, and they they were a game changer for sure when well, I first found them. I mean, when I first saw them, I used to think, like, man, only the kids who got, like – Rich, you know, yeah, they eat the sun yeah. chips. Like, those are nice. They're from, they're from Whole Foods. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's like a, a healthy hoity. chip, man. It looks so nice. Those and are yummy. the hoity-toity chips. Yeah. Oh, and you could always hear too whoever was eating sun chips in your you know cafeteria mm. because the the bag is so yeah. loud. Yeah, you, know, you couldn't quietly eat some sun chips. But Brian Backo kind enough to bring us some. snacks I will say here. though, I don't think I brought you guys snacks yesterday. I was or last week. I was running behind last week. It's so okay, I, man. Yeah, the Steelers won, right. so that's all that matters. Well, Wes said I, I bring them every week, and that's not entirely true. But I, you I need do have to, the same phone number since what seventh grade? Since yeah, the seventh since grade. the seventh grade, yeah. never changed hey, come it. Come on, that's my, and, and, that's and, my and joke. Shout out to the fact you had a phone in seventh grade too, man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I mainly used it to play <laughs> Snake. <laughs> oh, but, listen, that's, that's big time, man. These yeah. millennials, I didn't have one until I was a sophomore in high school. I was, I was in high school and I got my first uh, phone. You guys man. couldn't be trusted. Oh, um, man. For many reasons. <laughs> Backo, we had some encouraging developments yesterday. James Conner in practice, albeit in a limited role. But then when you see today um, some roster moves with Darren Hall, are you still – optimistic about James Conner and his limited practice participation from yesterday or some of the things we've seen this morning have you kind of thinking okay maybe he didn't respond so well maybe they're trending in the other direction are you more pessimistic or optimistic about Conner's availability Sunday afternoon that's tough I haven't been out there yet this morning because I went to eat lunch and then I got you guys sun chips and came up here to get on the radio shout out shout out but I don't know I mean I, I was a little surprised that he got in that limited work yesterday that is probably a good sign but then you go out and bring Darren Hall back to the practice squad after his very brief uh, uh, one-day <laughs> absence. I saw him in the locker room. Uh, that's my guy. I, I said, hey, welcome back. He said, yeah, it was a short vacation. So they, <laughs> he and Sutton Smith just switched right off, and, and it was actually Sutton Smith who was uh, playing running back on the scout team yesterday. Obviously, they wanted to get back a guy who – a little more traditional look at, at that spot, and they brought up Tony James, Tony yeah. Brooks James, to the to the 53. So – Still a lot of moving parts when you figure out whether James Conner might be ready. Uh, more so than last week, this might be a game that you really need him. I mean, I, I think the Rams are going to watch what you did dumping off to Jalen Samuels and say, we're not going to let that happen. So you, you might need a little bit more of a conventional running attack to, to go at these guys. Uh, and it's it's a, a front that is starts with Aaron Donald, as, as Mike Tomlin called him. He's the leader of that pack when you look at the Rams' defense. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that I'm I'm starting James Conner or anything in fantasy this week, even if he's healthy. But uh, it is a good sign that that he was able to get out there and give it a little bit of a go yesterday. And what about uh, Trey Edmonds? He's another running back that's dealing with some injuries right now. Yeah, that could be another reason why they're they're shuffling around a little bit back end of the roster in the practice squad. He hurt his ribs in that game Sunday against the Colts, but I, maybe it was just the adrenaline, the the excitement from the game he had. But he didn't seem in bad shape at all when I talked to him afterward in the okay. locker room. He and Jalen Samuels were chopping it up uh, about, you know, Trey Edmonds' 75-yard long – or 45-yard long run. He would have loved it to be 75. But uh, Jalen <laughs> Samuels – Jalen Samuels, actually, when I talked to him after the game Sunday, and this was well after I think he did a big scrum and everything, he didn't even know that his 13 catches at the time were uh, the, the, the Steelers' record. Yeah, yeah. he's like, really? I had that. He's like, I knew I was getting up there. At one point I looked up on the, at the scoreboard and I had 10. Um, <laughs> but th then he went on another run of just like two or three, bam, bam, bam. So those guys were both pumped after that game. We'll, we'll see if Trey Edmonds is any worse for the wear. But uh, Benny Snell, uh, I think, is the one that you can definitely roll out again for this week. Okay. And now how's Mason, from a confidence standpoint, coming in on a now for him two-game winning streak? played uh i'll say you know okay continuing to play okay yeah. right he's taking care of the ball he's not making the critical errors so how's he going in terms of his uh his confidence and mentality right now 
Boy, I if I can't speak for him, but I know if it were me, I wouldn't be that confident about facing Aaron Donald and yeah. Jalen Ramsey on the other side because mm-hmm. that's one guy who's trying to light me up and another guy who's trying to pick me off and house it. So yeah. uh, it's it's going to be tough sledding, I think, when you when you look at the matchup. But yeah, to your point, Moats. I mean, you you start stacking wins, which is what they've been trying to do for a long time now. And granted, one of those was Duck Hodges, but it's two in a row for Mason Absolutely. coming off the concussion. And the off week, so he's got to be feeling a little bit better about himself. Those high percentage passes, I know they get the fans up in arms a little bit, but you know, guess what? Le'Veon Bell had the the reception record for Steelers running backs before this. Who was throwing him the ball? Right. It wasn't Mason Rudolph. It wasn't Brian St. Pierre. Landry Jones. <laughs> it wasn't Landry Jones. Ben Roethlisberger. So he right. was a guy who knew when and where and how to check down as well. Let's not completely act like uh, this is some bizarre, absurd game plan that's just to protect Mason Rudolph. Sometimes that's just what the defense is giving you. And Le'Veon Bell was actually targeted even more in that game. I think he had 14 targets uh, in that 2017 game against the Packers. So using that as an extension of the running game in the NFL in 2019 is not some novel idea that's being put in because Mason Rudolph can't throw the ball down. Correct, and we've seen that before with the Patriots. They've done it numerous times, uh-huh. and when they do it, it's genius. Exactly, <laughs> most exactly. So now, of the curve. I'll say this much, though. To be fair... I think the reason why people treat this a little differently is because it is a smaller sample size. We don't necessarily know what we have yet in, in Mason Rudolph as the potential heir apparent in this city. When Ben Roethlisberger's dumping down to Le'Veon Bell 12 times a game, you know what Ben is. You know right. that he's not afraid to sling it and, and take shots downfield and can make those big plays. Mason's done that a few times, but people want to see more of it. I get that, but... To me, it's it's whatever it takes to win a ball game. I agree, and I, I'm not a fan of just throwing it downfield for the sake of throwing it downfield. If right. it's not there, don't mess with it. Sticking with the Rams' defense, very top heavy. Yeah, I mean, you got Aaron Donald, and you got Jalen Ramsey, and you got Dante Fowler, and you got Clay Matthews. But I think they, it's still a defense, right? That hemorrhages a lot of yards at times. It's still a defense that there's multiple ways to attack. What do you think that that looks like for the Steelers on Sunday afternoon? Is it more of the kind of the style like we saw against the Colts and, and the Dolphins at times where you're the, the short to intermediate passing game right and hope, hoping for some big plays to break out there? Or do you think we could see some, some more of a, a vertical attack by the Steelers? Yeah, you're you're right, Wes. They're they're five and three for a reason. They're they're not the same team that they were last year. At, at least not yet. We'll see if they come out hot off their their own open date. But uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of what the Steelers are going to do, it's it's not going to be easy. I think number one, you you can't just let Jalen Ramsey take Juju Smith Schuster out of the game. You got to keep finding ways to get number nineteen involved, whether that's moving him around, maybe getting him in the slot. Uh, if you're Mason Rudolph giving him a chance to make a play one-on-one. Don't back down. Don't be afraid from that Jalen Ramsey shadow. And, and that's obviously going to be a onus on Juju as well to uh, go up and make those plays if, if he gets a, a single coverage kind of opportunity. But they're going to need to be able to run the ball. I mean, that kind of goes without saying at this point, whether that's James Conner, Jalen Samuels, Trey Edmonds with his one-cut uh, kind of bruiser back there. You, you'll have to provide Mason some relief uh, as far as that goes. But, yeah, it's going to be a week that you, you've got to get creative, I think, a little bit and, and take advantage of some of those those guys in the Rams' uh, defense, maybe the secondary who are a little washed, a uh, little Weedle, as Antonio Brown <laughs> called him. Uh, what was that, like a month ago, yeah, Aaron yeah. Weddle? Uh, that, uh, that, that was a funny uh, – Exchange. Brief yeah. beef, I guess I would call oh, it. Man. But now, now a little Weedle is, is coming in here to Heinz Field. And, uh, yeah, he's 
he's he's not quite as quick as he once was. Right. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, there are areas that you can exploit this Rams defense. Five teams have been able to do it so far enough to win. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, Aaron Donald's got to be blocked, though, up front. I mean, it, it all kind of starts with that conversation. And, and I think the Steelers have the, have the horses up front to be able to do that. Now, I'm going to transition to the offensive side of the ball, our Steelers defense. No Brandon Cooks. Talk about the impact of that, man. Uh, the impact on my fantasy team has been great. Oh, but, uh, no, I don't know that that's a – I mean, he he's a different dynamic for them, he certainly. Is. I mean, he's a different dynamic for any offense you'd be in right. with the speed that he has and uh, just, just his ability to straight go. I mean, that, that Take guy's – Take the top off of any Yeah, that, that, that guy's a burner. <laughs> that guy's a burner. But Cooper Cup, I think, has been yeah. their best weapon on offense this year, maybe outside of Todd Gurley. But uh, you, you've got to know where he is at all times. He seems like exactly the kind of slot receiver who has given this defense – issues I mean just because of the way it's built mm-hmm. schematically and structurally they, they've got a lot more talent this year we know that we've seen that but you've, you've got to be able to cover those guys when it comes to, to just you know your, your play calls and your checks and everything so uh, Robert Woods the possession guy moved yeah. the chains and the, the guy who's most likely going to be getting the snaps from Brandon Cooks is Josh Reynolds who was pretty productive back in his day at Texas A&M and has filled in at times for the Rams when they've had injuries I like him. He's he's not bad. I mean, he's he's not Brandon Cooks, but uh, he he can definitely still make you pay if if you're not uh, if you're not knowing where he is. Now, how are you seeing the the Steelers matchup versus those receivers though, in terms of Joe Hayden, Stephen Nelson, obviously Mike Hilton and stuff like that? I think Hayden and Nelson have been uh, you know similar enough in in terms of their level of play this year that you can leave them on their sides of the okay. field and and more or less go about it that way. The Mike Hilton, Cameron Sutton thing is interesting because, you know, you're, you're still kind of rotating them on, on running versus passing downs. But Mike Hilton's been making plays in, in both phases of the game yeah. against the run, as, as he always does uh, against the pass. He sneaks in there for a sack like he did on Brian Hoyer. So secondary, I, I think the arrow is pointing up in a lot of ways. And, and this is going to once again be another week where maybe we're not sitting here talking about Minka Fitzpatrick taking back a, a pick six, 96 yards to the crib, but you're going to need him to, to glue on his guy, whoever yes. that is, whether it's Cooper Cup, Josh Reynolds. I, I don't know if you have to worry too much about the Rams' tight ends. Gerald Everett and, and Tyler Higby have had their moments as pass catchers, right. but I don't think either one of them is, is probably at the level of player that Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle are. Yeah. Besides, man, they let their best tight end leave through free agency last year, so it's all good. <laughs> I, I did want to ask you about Gerald Everett. Sixth best uh, yards after catch. He's the, a big dude. The Rams tight ends. I think, like you said, skill level, yeah, not George Kittle that they saw out in San Francisco, certainly. Not Eric Ebron or Jack Doyle. Doyle was putting your boy Devin Bush in yeah. the blender a little bit there, Moats. But with He's a young guy, man. Has any has any tight end ever broke you off like that? Oh, here oh, we go. Man. What's your worst here uh, we go. your worst memory of well, just no, like no, it? No, no, no. My worst memory is funny. My uh second year in the league. We're playing in the preseason, so we we played the Steelers twice that year. Once in the preseason, once in the regular season. Preseason, I'm matched up versus Heath Miller. Mm, I've heard of him. Yeah, and, and and this is probably I had like one of my best camps. I'm like mm-hmm. I'm feeling myself. I was battling <laughs> Kirk Morrison at the time for the uh, starting Sam linebacker spot. Beat him out clean. I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. <laughs> Steelers coming to town. I'm like, yeah, Heath Miller. Okay, let's go. Lock me up. I got him one on one. He's washed. Yeah, <laughs> man, he's catching back shoulders on me, all type of nasties. I'm like, yep. It's, it's a hopeless feeling sometimes. You're just like, yo, I have no answer for this. Yeah, on that yeah. touchdown, I mean, Jack Doyle just gave Devin Bush the quick okie doke. Yeah. He, he was gone. But yep. Do you think then with Brandon Cooks out, with Todd Gurley seemingly continue health status? And yeah, maybe on a snap count more or less. Mm-hmm. 
do you think that the Rams could look to involve their tight ends more than usual this week? Maybe. I mean, the Steelers have had their struggles against them. I think only three or four teams maybe in the NFL have given up more touchdowns. So especially if, if L.A. can get down into the red right. zone or, or inside the 10, you're, you're going to look at that. But uh, I don't know that they're going to abandon the, the run game or anything like that. I mean, Todd Gurley is – uh, he, he's still Todd Gurley, I mean, to, to put it simply. And, and I like this rookie, Daryl Henderson. He didn't have a good yes. preseason, but if you watch one. his film at Memphis, uh, mm-hmm. that dude can go. So he, he's a guy that, it, you know, if, if you slip up and you're the Steelers' front seven, you give him a crease, I mean, he, he, he might go. be gone. Yeah, I like him a lot. I, I still think with Todd Gurley, granted you have to respect him when he's out there, but he's not Todd Gurley of, like, the first ten games last year. So that's my only thing where I'm seeing him. He was on like, a torrid pace. Though. Yes, yeah. yes. Right now it's like, all right, I know you're saying you're healthy. I don't believe you all the way. And that's my feelings about that. But I do think, man, from a defensive standpoint, though, I think the Steelers team matches up well, though. I'm looking forward to the chess match like between I, I Sean McVay and Mike yeah, Tomlin. Absolutely. I mean, first matchup between those two guys, someone who's considered – a long time, one of the better defensive head right. coaches in this league versus obviously everyone's favorite new flavor yeah. as an offensive coach. New school coach. versus and, old school. And, and another, uh, another little side plot that my, my buddy, my colleague, Ray Fittipaldo, will be writing about today. Okay. So don't steal this idea from him. Okay, okay. Zach Robinson worked with Mason Rudolph at OK State. Oh, he's now uh, with the Rams. Yeah. Uh, I believe he's the OC there, so right? So is he helping so. that Rams defense know the strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, maybe. I mean, and, hey. Steelers got the same dynamic on this side of the ball with Mark Barron. Oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. I, I asked him about that yesterday in the locker room. Like, th- just, do people make too much of the whole, we've got this guy who was on the you know the opposite right. team last year? And he said, yeah, probably. I mean, I'll certainly do what I can because it's my team now. But right. the same thing is I would be telling them, we have a coaching staff. We have veteran players who know what they're doing. They're going to be pointing out the same stuff on yeah. film and – Obviously, the Rams know that they used to have Mark Barron, and now he's with the Steelers. So they'll take the steps that they can to neutralize that. And, uh, you know, the the flip side of that coin, Mark Barron's going to be more familiar with the Rams' offense than anybody else in the Steelers' What I was going to say, speaking of Mark Barron, how's he handling this week? Obviously, this is a team he went to the Super Bowl with last year, but they allowed him to leave through free agency and stuff like that. Yeah, he's been been pretty classy uh, about that, really hasn't, um, you know, made any sort of comments uh, or or whatever, but – um, he seems to be handling it okay. I mean, I, I think he gets that there was a numbers game probably in, in L.A. They just couldn't quite afford to keep him from everything I, I read in the offseason. You know, you got to pay Aaron Donald a boatload yeah. of money back up the Brinks truck for him. That's going to have a trickle-down effect on the rest of your roster. Uh, obviously, you still want to make that move 10 times out of 10 to, right. to lock up 99. Lock but up your quarterback yeah. as well, too. Well, you know, he's the yeah. afterthought, man. It was Gurley, yeah. Donald. Yeah. And now that that's well, like, that's, hey. I mean, do you? How much are you guys kind of a fan of Jared Goff, or is he a, a, a McVay-made man? I think he's a McVay-made man. I, I don't think you back up the Brinks truck to him. I, I view him and, honestly, Dak in the same yeah. vein. I, I wouldn't back up the Brinks truck to either one of them. When Dak said he didn't want 30, he wants 40, I'm like, yeah, he crazy. I'll go pick somebody else, man, to go do what you do. Dak was playing really well early this season. But who season. was he playing really well against? And that's what it broke. That's what it came down to. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Quality of opponent definitely matters in terms of contracts when we're talking about how much you want to pay a guy or not. I think I like Dak more than Goff. Um, 
I, yeah, I think Goff in a, in a lot of ways has been pretty, I think pretty I like, system I think I like neither. Yeah, <laughs> G- give me your boy Carson Wentz. Yeah, over oh my gosh, I'd take How Carson Wentz over both of them. <laughs> Fair enough. For sure. Uh, before we get to your you know, esteemed predictions here, Mr. Backo, and Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joining us here. The Brian Backo. Steelers the Blitz. Post-Gazette. The Woo! Post-Gazette. The there PPG. Yeah. Aaron Donald. Uh, man, he's a guy who really – as much as anybody we've ever seen have success coming out of the Pittsburgh area, embraces being from here. He makes his first return to Heinz Field since he played for the Pitt Panthers. Do you expect him to get the best – I don't want to say ovation because Steelers fans aren't going to be standing <laughs> up and clapping. for. But do you expect him to get the best reception potentially that we've ever seen from an opposing player against the Steelers here in Pittsburgh? Possibly. If he gets that opportunity, I mean, obviously they don't announce the other team player by player like they do at the Steelers. He's going to have to get a sack or a tackle (laughs) or a TFL or something. Uh, I don't know. I think that'd be cool if he did. I mean, I wrote about him today and not just about him coming home to play at Heinz Field for the first time since Pitt, but he started up a new foundation, uh, 8099 Solutions. Great name, by the way, if you're a Jay-Z fan. Absolutely. He's got 99 problems. He's got 99 solutions. He hopes for... Uh, the city of Pittsburgh and underprivileged youth here. seems like he's really starting to think about how he wants to make his legacy away from the field. And uh, I asked Cam Hayward about that because he's the same kind of guy for the Steelers. He's got the Hayward House Foundation, right. uh, always doing charitable things for, for kids in the area. And he had a great point that playing in L.A., living out there during the season, be an easy excuse to not really do a whole lot giving back to your community. But Aaron Donald lives here in the offseason. He makes his home here. Uh, when he's not playing for the Rams, and, and he's got two kids. Um, so he's he's doing everything he can right now, it seems like, for, for kids around here, and, and I think that would be cool if, if he got a nice little ovation. So, look, man, with this the the solution to it, right? Go ahead and just make a regular tackle, a <laughs> one-yard game, yeah. Aaron Donald on the play, everybody goes crazy, and then that's that. You can't get a tackle. Get it out of the way. Yeah. Get a sack. Cause then yeah. it's not, we're not clapping for that. This, as much as you can love Aaron Donald, these are Steelers fans we talk about. And not about. all Steelers fans are uh, our pit fans. Our pit fans yeah, are, are, there's one on the yeah. on the microphone right yeah, here. Exactly. That's well, what I don't saying, care man. where Aaron Donald yeah. played his college right, right. football, or even Pittsburgh natives. You know, yeah. people come from uh, from all all, all over, man. Places, so. yeah. But if you are one of the many who are from here, yeah. uh, sort of watched him become a star, I think you got to appreciate right. what he's become. Because even when he played the Steelers in 2015. He was a dog, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't, he wasn't two-time this. defensive yeah. player of the year. Aaron well, same Donald. with Gurley. I was going to say, we played Gurley in 15. Gurley was good, but he wasn't mm-hmm. Gurley. It was just Todd. <laughs> it was just yeah, Todd. It was, Todd. It was different. <laughs> All right, Brian Backo, on the spot. Uh-oh. Your, your official prediction. How he, does, what was his record? What's your record right now? He's now hey, I was real close and, to hitting it on the yeah, nose last week. I know, man. Six I said, and two? Right, yeah, I, I think, think that's yeah. right. I think I said thirty twenty six last week. Yeah, I was right about hitting the over. Yeah, but I didn't quite get that final score. For a while though, there the scores looked like they might match yeah, up. Yeah, very true. But six and two, Mister Backo, a hot start halfway through the season. How's it play out Sunday afternoon at Heinz Field? I think the Rams coming off their off week just have a little bit too much firepower both sides of the ball. I, I think Jalen Ramsey is going to kind of. Take Juju out of the game a little bit, and and Aaron Donald is, you know, I think they'll be able to get two guys on him, and but but that's going to open things up elsewhere, so he's going to cause problems. And, Dante and the offense, Fowler. yeah, Dante Fowler is a former first rounder as well. Clay Matthews six sacks already this season. Yeah, I think Dante, they're, they got to get him healthy. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they of course have injury issues like everybody. And the offensive side of the ball, like I said, I, you know, Josh Reynolds is not a bad third receiver being elevated with Brandon Cooks out, so. I'm going to say Rams 30, Steelers 23. 
All right, there it is from Brian Backo, our good friend Remember, of the that show. Was Brian. That was Brian that said right. that. That's right. Direct, direct yeah. all complaints. Most to- definitely was not over there nodding his head at everything <laughs> I was saying. He wasn't doing that. I don't right? know hey, what he's on. talking this about. Is radio here, <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. I don't know what he's I'm talking about. I'm a journalist. About. I'm trying to paint a picture. <laughs> He hasn't changed his number since the seventh grade. Brian Backo, you can find his work in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Find him on Twitter, at Brian Backo. A pleasure, as always, on Thursdays, partner. We appreciate the time. Yep, see you guys. When we come back here, Steelers-Rams by the numbers. Ooh, I've got some good ones for you. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Inside the Electric Factory on a Thursday afternoon, thanks as always to our good buddy Brian Backo for joining us there in the last segment. More importantly, bringing us treats, some ah. chips. Joseph chimes in on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. Garden Salsa Sun Chips, hands down, the best chips. Yeah, that's top-notch, man. Man. That's top-notch. That's a good one. That sounds like a potential uh, three-question Thursday question. I might man. need to do that, man. Ooh, you know you can. You already know the drill. You can chime in for the next hour and 15 minutes or so here on the Twitter.com. Motsi, you know a lot of things about me. But one of the things you know, right, is that I've always, I've always done the research. I've always got notes. I've always got opinions. I've got facts on everything. This is true. Very true. You know, I stay up all night writing down notes. Trying to find interesting factoids for you. All right, so I've got some Steelers-Rams by the numbers here for you. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Got four different uh, numbers here to throw out. Things, trends, just uh, statistics, a bunch of different stuff here. All right, so the first one, Steelers-Rams by the numbers for you. First number is 10. All right? That is Sean McVay's consecutive regular season wins as the head coach of the Rams against AFC opponents. Get this. In the regular season, okay. under Sean McVay, the Los Angeles Rams are 10-0. and 10-0. What's the sample size? Against AFC teams. How many years is this? 10 games. So I think he's. this is his third year as head coach of the Rams, I believe, right? Does that sound correct? I think so, yeah, third year. Yeah, because yeah. It'd be, it's, I know it's Goff's fourth season right, right, and he so came third, in. Yes. So this is his third year. The only AFC loss that Sean McVay has had in his entire two and a half Super years Bowl, right. was the Super Bowl to the Patriots. And get this, Motsi. When playing AFC teams under Sean McVay, the Rams have won by an average margin of 13.6 points. That's cool. I don't really think any of that matters this week, though. I don't believe it. I need a larger sample size. You need a larger sample size than ten and zero in the regular season. I do. I'm just. <sighs> Where do you come down on the whole Sean McVay debate? I think he's an awesome coach. I think he's just young. I want to see it longevity. I mean, we talk about how you look at Coach Tomlin at how many years in the league, 13? and people continue to, to nitpick and find this and find that. And I'm like, right now, McVay is hot. McVay is 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 beautiful, but it's like, hey. You're sitting at three. This is your third season. Like, let me see a consistent body of work for five years. Let me see it for ten years. Then from there, then I'm like, all right, I believe in it. But until then, no, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. That's the way you put it. And he's he's going to – that him and that entire front office and their entire staff in the next year or two here, they're going to have a lot of turnover right. on and that that's, roster. That's, and, and that's the thing. It's like when you're doing it for five – seven, ten years, that means you've went through a wave of players. Now you had a new wave come in. That's what I want to see. It's easy. I mean, I don't want to say it's easy to win in this league, but 
his rosters the past three years, let's be real, have been last year's roster was one of the most talented rosters on paper that we've seen in a while. It was very dream team esque mm -hmm. in terms of the talent that he was able to acquire. And then even this year, some of the talent that he has, you're like, man, this is like some talent, but we're going to see because similar to what happened in Seattle, right, with Pete Curl, when they had Russell Wilson under the rookie deal, you were able to pay the guys around him, bring in all this talent. Okay, well, golf's coming up. Are you going to pay him? Are you going to move Cooper on? Cup's well, coming Cooper up. Cup's coming up. We got, you got options. What are you going to do with Ty Gurley? You still going to keep paying that? So for me, I want to see how, how does that success continue once all that happens. And then also, once teams start to catch up to your style. I mean, I felt like uh, the Patriots did a good job. The first wave of, hey, this is what McVay likes to do. He likes to talk to, to golf, get him out there early, point the witness in, and then, all right, they go from there. And you saw the Patriots kind of wait, give a very bland look, and then once that first 15 went off, now they start getting into what they're going to get into. I just want to see, okay, once more teams start to get comfortable with you, once more teams start to see you and get a body of work against you and see what you really your tendencies are, how you continue that success. But until then, like I said, I think he's an awesome coach, but I'm cautiously optimistic about him. Second Steelers-Rams by the numbers for you. The number is three. The Steelers come into this game on a three-game winning streak against the Rams franchise. However, kind of the opposite of, of last week, right, where we talked about in the last 30 games between the Colts and the Steelers, the Steelers had won 24 of those 30. The Rams actually have the all-time lead mm. over the Pittsburgh Steelers. 15-9-2 all-time are the Rams against the Steelers franchise. I never lost to them as a Steeler. That's what I wanted to ask you about. When you're going against these cross-conference divisional opponents, right, so this year the Steelers play the NFC West, right? right? Rams, Seattle, Cardinals and, and the Niners. Niners. Yes, I was like, what's that other team? <laughs> what's that other team? That's a really, like, wait a really good, really good division this year. It is. <laughs> what's that like preparing for a team that in an eight-year span you're only seeing twice? You, they come to your place right. every four <laughs> years. You go out there every four years. What's that like preparing for these teams that you're really unfamiliar with in a lot of ways? It's fun, but at the same time, it's a lot more work. And here's why: it's fun because you're not seeing the same people. Over and over. Like Something when you play new. Baltimore, you, it's like, yo, I know Baltimore. I know them. I know it's less about the preparation and more about the physicality. They know what I'm doing. I know what they're doing. We got to make sure we're very detailed in our, in our work, but we know how they're going to try to attack us. <clears throat> when I'm playing against the Bengals, same conversation. Right. I know how they're going to attack me. I know how I'm going to attack them. Dalton I, and A.J. Green listen, and they Carlos had, they had Andre Smith on one side and Andrew Whitworth on the other side. Okay, I know if I'm going against Whitworth, hey, man, he has a big punch. I got to make sure I get him to move his feet. Try to. Hey, he's also susceptible to a long arm bull. When I'm going against Andre Smith, he's fat. Okay, inside moves. <laughs> make sure I'm using my speed. Don't go down the middle of him. He is not a bull rush guy. When you play against teams so much, you know they know my moves. When you're playing against these out-of-conference games or like this, it's so much fun because it's like, man, I've been hearing about these guys. I've been – I know people I talk about them a lot. Monday right, Night Football. But I haven't really, like, deep-dived and, and broke that guy down yet. So let me see. Okay, this is what he does. Well, this is what he doesn't do well. And then what's also funny is this. When you're watching AFC North opponents or teams that you play predominantly – you also know the type of guys that they're going against predominantly in the AFC because most of the time in the AFC North, the rosters are pretty similar in body types. Okay, this is a 4-3 team. This is how they look. Their 3-4 teams look like this. 
and personnel wise it fits that because you know okay this is like the black and blue division but when you play some of these teams like uh the rams and stuff like that you're like man these pass rushes aren't the same as the pastors we got in this division so this tackle right here he might struggle against this because he's used to these body types and we're different in that regard so those are some of the things that will make it exciting for you but the work element is like i said because you haven't studied them you're not familiar with them you have to put double the time in so you can get that familiarity with them and now you're trying to cross reference to see okay where has this coordinator been has this coordinator been anywhere else that i've played because that's the telltale sign of okay how did they attack me here all right well now that he's here he might try to do similar things and those are the things that were going with that but it was like i said man i loved it good reminder from tyler here goff did sign this past offseason that's right i forgot about that yeah. oh four, yes four years 134 yes. million which honestly so that's what quick math that's 23 million a year yeah maybe a little it, it was and a yeah, half it, it wasn't crazy that's a, fair, yeah. that's a fair cap hit for no, him no, honestly it was good because it was after uh wentz was it yes. after wentz wentz had the big deal and then when he signed his it was like oh that's a good deal but it's not nothing ground it's not crazy like what what Dak wants Dak both, wants both, to be yeah the, the Goff and the Wentz extensions are going to look like bargains compared right. to Dak when he finally gets his yeah uh, third Steelers Ravens by the number for you is the number seven that's the number of games played by James Conner and Todd Gurley so far this season and get this mozi their know. numbers are eer eerily simil uh -huh. similar Gurley ninety two carries three hundred fifty five yards three point nine three point nine per tote Conner ninety seven carries for three hundred and eighty yards. 3.9 per tote. Mm -hmm. Gurley, six touchdowns. Connor, four touchdowns. And get this too, Motsi. Both of those guys, their longest gain on the year is 25 yards. But they've also haven't quite had the production that we thought they'd have. I think particularly Todd Gurley, right? Everyone thought, okay, he was dealing with some stuff at the end of last season, but he'll come into this year healthy. That hasn't necessarily been the case. Even though the touchdown numbers are there, right. the carries and the yardage is still not quite where you'd expect it to be. Yeah, and like you said, that's what both of these guys, I think both of them have dealt with some injuries. Both of them have dealt with just in terms of James Conner, the new pieces around him has changed that for him. Obviously, his quarterback situation drastically affected him. But then with Gurley, I think for him it's the biggest thing is the health element. When you're watching him run, he doesn't have the same burst. Mm -hmm. He's not able to hit the edge. He's not able to run as hard. And, and even, he doesn't run as physical. As yes, and, and and that's the thing. Is I don't. I know they're saying he's fine, but he just doesn't look. From what we've seen from him in the past on tape versus what he looks like now, you can't tell me that you don't see a difference. And that's my thing with that. Yeah, I completely, one hundred percent agree with you. I've got one more. Steelers Rams by the numbers for you, but I don't want to rush it here since we're up against the breaks. So yeah, we'll man, do take that. your time. Take a little time. We'll do that when we return. And also, it's a Thursday, Motsi. Uh-oh. I got my three guarantees hey. for you. So we'll wrap up this Steelers Rams by the numbers discussion, and I'll give my three guarantees that Arthur Motes will dissect. And or, I, I mean, but, you can but, tell but, me if you like them, too, But before too, I guess. we get to the guarantees, I'm going to get my favorite part of the show. Well, don't spoil it, all right? Remember, I can't help it. Remember what uh, was I think it was David yesterday hey. told us? Don't don't spoil it, all right? Good or to maybe see it was thra it was Thrash Metal Guy yesterday who called you out for spoiling. How are you doing, by the way? Well, oh, good. You have to come back with us next <laughs> to find out. Euler Remotes are broadcasting live from the UPMC Rudy Sports Complex on the south side of Pennsylvania. One hour in the books, another hour to go. You want to chime in? You already know the drill on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. <laughs>
we doing? Well, that's good. Euler Remotes with you here inside the Electric Factory, live from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pennsylvania, having some fun on a Thursday, hour number two. That means in about 15, 20 minutes here. I'm going to hold Arthur Motes' feet to the fire with three question Thursday, baby, his favorite time of the week. But we got to wrap up some Steelers-Rams by the numbers first. Well, actually, before we get to that, I was responding when you said, Good evening, Steelers. How Hold you on. doing? Remember, you always tell me you got to detail your work. It's not evening. It's 1 o'clock, all right? So don't don't you good evening me. It's or, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay, excuse me. You're right. right? You're right. Detail your work. You're right. You're Minutia. right. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How you doing? I was not doing good. And you said, that's good. So, so you're going to be the one person in the yeah, history of you're, the you're world right. who when yep. somebody asks them how you doing. They, Just the inconvenience you. They yes. don't respond. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be difficult. Yep. How you doing today? Bad. Bad. Terrible. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you asked. I'm having a yeah. horrible day. You want to talk about it? <laughs> if you want to talk about it with us, you already know the drill. You can chime in on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the body 52 the body and we do hope you're actually having a good day I'm unless you don't want to have not a good just day assuming right if you don't want to have a good day you don't have to have a good day that's true it's your prerogative it is we're therapeutic regardless of what you need though you know it little little ear candy right mozi mm-hmm. red bull for your ears all right before i get to my guarantees that i want to have you dissect per usual per company policy here last Steelers rams by the number for you here and it's six is the final number i'm going to throw out there Rams tight ends, sixth best yards after catch in the National Football League. Steelers against tight ends, sixth fewest yards per catch against tight ends in the National Football League. So a little strength on strength there. We've seen the Steelers have different degrees of getting gashed by tight ends while taking them out of the game at the same time. It's, it's kind of been a weird dynamic in that regard, Motsi, where you saw it like with George Kittle, right? First half of that game, he had like five receptions, I think maybe, what, 70-some yards? Yes. But then he was very quiet the rest of the game. Against Hunter Henry, a very good tight end for the Chargers, he was really quiet until, you know, the last 15, 20 minutes of the game when he kind of burst onto the scene. Correct. Against the Colts, there was some good, there was some bad when it came to defending Eric Ebron and when it came to defending Jack oh, Jack Doyle Jack as well, too. So Rams tight ends, really good after the catch. Steelers secondary and defense really good at limiting tight ends after the catch. Do you expect this to be one of those X-factor type matchups? Um, or, or potentially even just a way that the Rams feel like they can attack this defense? I personally don't think the Rams will feel this is a way that they should attack this Steelers defense simply because the guys that you were naming off, Kittle, Stud, Stud, Doyle, Ebron, Studs, Hunter Henry, Henry, Studs, no offense to, to Everett. He's not in that category. He's not in that category. Let's be real. He's not. If this was Jared Cook, without a doubt, that's how you're attacking him. But I don't feel like they have a tight end that's going to scare you in that regard. Do you know what scares me on this Rams offense? Tell me. All right. It's no Tiger Early because, I, I mean, he's out there, but he's not out there. Cooper Coop. He's good. Or, excuse me, Cooper Coop. Cooper Cup. That's a good nickname for him, It by is, the way. right? It's Cooper Coop. Cooper Coop. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Robert Woods. Yeah. Oh. Like I said, Brandon Cook's out, so I feel a little better. But those are the guys that scare me. Those are the guys that make me have some concerns when you're breaking down this matchup. But outside of that, man, these tight ends, even with, uh, with Everett, I'm looking at his numbers, and I know you say, oh, after catch, this and this. 
Yeah. 26, 297, two touchdowns. That that doesn't scare me like that, man. No. And in fact, I mean, you look at it like you just mentioned from a numbers standpoint. Cup, Woods, and then Cooks when he's you know been healthy. Right. They dominate the, the share of, of receptions right. and touches compared yeah. to compared to Everett and then Higby, who's the other tight end. Yes. Josh Reynolds gonna have to slide. I mean, geez, even Todd Gurley, his numbers are kind of similar to the yeah. tight end. <laughs> I wonder. That's weird though, because their yards after catch are so strong. I mean. So, uh, Gerald Everett, right, who's their number one tight end. But has, now, is it total yards after catch or is it on average? Well, look at this, right? So, for Everett, he's got 297 receiving yards on the year. Yes. 143 of those are after, after the catch. After catch, okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. But, like, maybe what you're alluding to, you've got to be able to get them the ball first for yeah. them to be able to make those plays. Absolutely. Maybe that's where the Steelers nip it in the bud with Devin Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick. Just, you know, just some numbers I thought were interesting yeah. to throw out there for you, Motsi. Like I said, I, I, I'm concerned when it's highly athletic or very savvy route-running tight ends. Like Jack Doyle, he's not going to run by you, but he's a savvy route-runner. He's almost like a Heinz Ward yes. tight end in that regard. Yes, or, or think Heath Miller when Heath got old. Yes. Like, he's not he, just blazing north-south speed. He is going to get open. He knows how to run routes. Find he knows, the pockets in the right, coverage. He knows the details associated with, if I'm playing man coverage, this gets the guy off me. These guys don't they that I don't feel like they are those type of tight ends. And that's why like in that regard I don't think that this should be a concern for the Steelers. I like it. I hope you're right. I'm always right. I got three <laughs> three guarantees yeah, for you. Yeah, guarantee time. Yeah, give it to me, Wes. Give it to me. We're, we're constantly adding new traditions to our show hey, here, man, right? Ever evolving. Ever, we're ever evolving. That's what you do when you're when you're a conglomerate. That's what we are, man. We've gone through rookie minicamp. Yeah. You know, that was about this time last year together. It was, huh? We've gone through our OTA and our minicamp phase. We've gone through yeah. Electric Factory training camp. You know, now, Absolutely. Now we're really into it here, and we're adding benchmarks, man. and we're diversifying how we can attack the radio. Uh, you know what's way. funny, though? Entertain like, the radio I feel like audience. we've been doing this for so long. Yeah, whenever you consider that it's been a year, like a year, but it hasn't even really been a year, been a year because yet. we have yeah. a lot of breaks in there. Yeah, it's crazy. You can't teach chemistry like this, baby. <laughs> All right, so my three guarantees for you on a Thursday, right? Because we decided to do these on Thursday because we just have so much that we try and fit in on Fridays already. <laughs> then we got to give our guarantees on a Thursday. All right, so here we go. And remember, you remember this from last week. Mm-hmm. I try and put myself out there with these. Yeah, right? I'm about to say, none of that conservative. Right. Hey, my, I think Tiger is going to score one touchdown. Yes. Yeah, 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 don't get uh, me that. Uh, I think the Rams are going to come out with uh, with horns on their helmets. Yeah, you none, know, of like, none, none of that. That's, that's not what I'm going for No here. weak sauce in There's here. There's no, uh, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Donald's going to have a sack. Like, yeah. there's, there's, I'm, I'm trying to step out of the comfort zone. I'm trying to make these bold guarantees. Yeah, get will. bold, baby. All right, first one. And kind my of, job is to dissect it. First one. <laughs> First one kind of involves Aaron Donald a little bit, right? I'm guaranteeing a sack for Dante Fowler Jr. in this game. And I think because there's going to be so much attention on Aaron Donald and how to stop him, and it's going to require multiple, multiple bodies. It's not going to just be a one-man job. It's going to be something that's in the forefront of the Steelers' mind the whole game. You also include Jalen Ramsey and and the return of Clay Matthews potentially. But I think there's going to be a ton of attention on Aaron Donald Dante Fowler is a guy who's familiar with the Steelers, has played against this offensive line now a few times. He's probably more familiar with the Steelers team than anybody on that Rams roster. My first prediction, Arthur Motes, and I will say, this is the least bold of them. He's got uh, five and a half sacks. No, on he's the leading their team in sacks with six and a half. Is he really? Yes, that's what I'm like. Man, that's not bold. All right, well, that's the least of them. Golly. Sack for Dante Fowler Jr. 
okay. I, I think he's going to do that easily, man. If we were talking about two sacks, now that would be different. Just because when you look at the guys that they have up there rushing the passer and the amount of sacks they have, Fowler is, I mean, he's a high-quality player. He's a, first, a former first-round, what, top five pick. Top if, five pick, yeah. yep. So you know from a talent standpoint what he possesses. Also, I factor in the fact that the O-line hasn't been playing to their standard. So with that being the case, I do have my concerns, and I do think that he will have some success. I don't think it's going to be one of those he's going for two and three sacks now. No. But I do think he gets home. I don't think that's too far-fetched. He leads the team with six and a half sacks. Yeah. Clay Matthews, though, six sacks. has only played five games and has six sacks. Aaron Donald, five sacks on the year. So my first prediction, not that bold in Arthur Motes' book, but is that a sack, I'm guaranteeing a sack for Dante Fowler Jr. All right, these next two, I promise, a little, all right, little more all right, bold. All right, we'll see. Second guarantee, both teams – held under 100 yards on the ground. Under 100 yards rushing for both teams. That is pretty bold, obviously, because Gurley has the name. But I do agree, and here's why. We talked about Gurley not being the same type of runner he is. He doesn't look as physical. He's not as fast. He's almost missing that burst. You factor in that with this defense, I think the way the Steelers defense is playing, you they welcome you to run the ball. Yes. They, they, they would prefer you do that versus you – throwing the ball all over the field with all the different route complex, uh, the the routes and stuff like that. They can run bunches and stuff like that where it's going to force the linebackers to communicate, which we saw on film versus the Colts. They struggled a little bit in terms of identifying who they should have and things like that. If they're trying to run at this team, I don't think they're going to have success. And then, unfortunately for the Steelers, I still have my concerns and question marks about James Conner's Connor, true yep. health. Even if he does practice today – What's his real availability? How healthy is he if he's still not taking any hits on that shoulder until it's game time? How is his body going to respond the first time he gets hit or when he falls on it or if he's 10 carries in? Those are my concerns. And even though this Rams defense has been gashed, they've given up points. It's been more so through the air, not on the ground. Teams haven't just been running the ball down their throat. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's why I think that, you know, it's pretty well, but I like it. You like that one? I like that one. I do think, too, maybe this can be a side, you know, a, a footnote of guarantee number two here. I do think there'll be a big run play from one of the teams, like the Trey Edmonds 45-yarder right. that we saw, whether it be a, a 25-yarder, a 34-yarder, something like that, yeah. because both of these run games, while they've struggled, have also shown the propensity to, to hit the big play. Yes, indeed. You look at uh, the, the Rams running backs – uh, Gurley's gone for a 25-yard gain. Daryl Henderson Jr. has gone for a 22-yard gain. Malcolm Brown, a 17-yard run in there, even though all these guys are averaging only 25, 40, So are you saying that one of the Rams are going to have an explosive run play? Is that what you're referring to? Because you named a whole bunch of Rams players Listen, this is and a, no Steeler oh, players. It's like the Trey Edmonds 45 yards. No, no, no. You started with that. Then you went to just name off all these Rams running backs who are breaking off these long runs. I'm just saying. I feel some type of way. Both teams held under 100 yards rushing. <laughs> that is guarantee number two. Guarantee number three, Arthur Motes. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm calling shots for two guys. Mm. Two players are both going to have an interception Sunday at Heinz Field. You better not say anybody for the Rams. Minka Fitzpatrick, which would be his, what, third straight game with an interception? Yeah. And Jalen Ramsey. Here you go. Here you go with that nonsense. I, you know, my interception wow. guarantee last week was pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how to feel about this guarantee right here. Minka's going to pick one off. 
Jalen Ramsey's going to pick one up. Is it bad I feel like dirty by saying, yeah, I agree with you? No, because, again, why we do why we do, uh, do this show through black and gold glasses, honesty is our is our favorite policy. No, without a doubt, and, and for most reasons, but the main reason is this. I don't trust golf. I think that – I mean, he's shown that he turns the ball over seven interceptions this season. He's been sacked 12 times as well, and one thing that the Steelers do is what? Apply pressure. Ooh. They get sacks. They hit quarterbacks. But what do they also do is this. They capitalize on your mistakes. You overthrow a pass this week, Mika's catching it. Period. Like, that's how it goes now. So, with and, that. And Goff's thrown seven interceptions in eight games. Yeah. So, when you look at that, you understand that, hey, that is a recipe for success for the Steelers because of how they're, they are playing right now in terms of being able to get after the quarterback and be able to create turnovers. 12 sacks? Come on now. That's good. That's good. That's real good. Steelers could definitely make something happen with that. And now on the flip side, <sighs> Jalen Ramsey. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. It is Jalen Ramsey. We know he's going to be on Juju. Hines Field isn't too bad either. Yeah, but this is why. This is my the reason why I believe it's going to happen. As much as I don't want Mason to even look at his direction, I do feel Mason's going to try him. I think Mason's going to take a shot at him. We talked about how if Juju's one-on-one, he's open. I think it's going to be a situation like that. I agree. And I think Jalen's going to do what Jalen does, which we saw on numerous occasions, whether it was in Pittsburgh or in Jacksonville last year. Jalen is a freak. Jalen is arguably the best corner in the league for a reason. You can go between him and Gilmore however you want to slice I was going to say, I don't think it's much of an argument. I think it's those two guys. It's, there's a and, and gap between a them and, and everybody else. a huge gap between everybody else. Yeah. Like, I know Richard Sherman, he posts oh, man, but look at my percentage. Like, hey, that, that looks good on paper, but that's not real. That's fool's goal. This is real. Jalen's real. Oh, It's not close. So good. And so is Micah Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And that's why I'm predicting them both. And that's why I got to agree. And even though I feel bad about it, I got to go and say yeah. So my three guarantees, a sack for Dante Fowler Jr., both teams under 100 yards rushing, and an interception for Minka, and an interception for Jalen Ramsey. Are those bold enough for you? Not the Dante Fowler one. Well, listen, I got to ease into it The Dante Fowler was you know? terrible. Six and a half sacks leads the team in sacks. Oh, I think he's going to get a sack. What? Uh, you do. J- <laughs> Jason chimes in here on Twitter, uh, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52. The Body. Uh, wondering how you feel about James Conner not playing, hurting, pass blocking the most, particularly against this team with Clay Matthews and Aaron Donald and Devontae Fowler, and Mason getting swallowed up quicker in the pocket because they don't have that running back in the pass block scheme. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has an effect. Not only, I mean, people always associate him not playing with the impact in the running game, but it does have a major effect in the passing game. But the way you can balance that is by having the running backs chip these guys. Instead of having, instead of having one of these running backs worry about squaring up inside rushers, whether it's linebackers or however the blitz may come, keep it simple in terms of sliding protections away and having that back hitting that last minute last year so it's easy to stay inside out on them. Or you can go with the other option, which is having a tight end align in certain places outside of the tackle box where you're in like that gray area where you're not sure. fully in the, the, the line of scrimmage right next to the tackle, but you got that awkward space where the uh, pass rush has to decide, do I line up inside of the tight end or outside of this tight end? Because sometimes if you're outside, you feel like you're too far of a nine, but then if you're inside, you feel narrow. You don't feel like you can get that vertical presence. Those are some of the things you could do to compensate for James not being on there. Just from a schematic standpoint, 
and it still doesn't ask too much of these guys from, a, hey, Trey Edmonds or, hey, Jalen Samuels, you might not be good at this, but have to stand in here like a big dog. And then the, the flip side is this. If you got Jalen Samuels in there and you're not comfortable with his blocking, fast release him and make sure you get him the ball right now. So now as a linebacker or as a nickel, you have to make the decision of, okay, do I heat this up and try to blitz this? Because if I don't get there, that guy's running free. Mm-hmm. But Mason has to know right now, hey, that's my hot. If that guy comes, I'm throwing to him right now. So you got alternatives to it. It's more than, you know, that's the beauty of football, man. You you got to no answer doubt. for anything, man. It's all about executing it, well, There's though. no perfect defense, right? There because isn't. if there was, then everybody would run it. Right. That's, hey, the, that's the adage. Wise man told me, man, he who tries to defend everything defends nothing. That's Dick LeBeau right there. You got to pick and choose which you want to stop each call. I think Dick LeBeau is a guy who knows a thing or two about defense. Yes, indeed. Three guarantees in the book. That means it's three That's like questions. Two and, that was like two and a half guarantees, man. That, that Dante Fowler one. Oh, oh man. He probably wrong way. Dante Fowler get a sack. Three guarantees in the book. <laughs> that means three questions up next. A three-pack of questions for Arthur Motes and for the audience for you when we return. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Euler and Motes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Hour number two inside the electric factory on a Thursday afternoon, and that can only mean one thing for those of you familiar, for our power grid, right, for our megawatts. Oh, yeah. You already know what it is. It's three-question Thursday. If you're unfamiliar, right, pretty simple concept. Three-pack of questions for Arthur Motes. Two of them usually hard-hitting football questions, but outside of the Steelers' bubble. And then from time to time, I like to throw in a, a little curveball, a little monkey wrench. Little man you For the third little question. Liverpool. Man, you plays today uh, I know. about, about Just, 90 minutes from now. Come on, man. Uh, quick, my first rodeo. Quick aside, my father is in Europe right now. Shout out. Uh, get this. The, the, my, my, you know this. My, my dad's a violinist in the symphony. They're touring Europe right now. They played in France yesterday, and somebody at the concert brought a terrible towel and was twirling hey. it. Was twirling it during the encore all the way over in I France. Like that, man. All the way over in France, baby. It was great. And you'll like this, too. They, you know, they call them kit stores. Yeah. It, like, that's what they call jerseys. They right, call right. them kits. Get a kit. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, in Paris, my dad FaceTimed me from the kit store and was like, look at all this. Look at this. Paris Saint-Germain, Barcelona, Manchester United, I like it. Liverpool. What do you want here? And my dad's going through all this stuff, and he's like, hey, come on, Christmas isn't too far away. What did do you, you want get here? One? Did you get one? I, I did. I Listen, I, like it. I, I don't know exactly what I got, but I know I got something. And he, he told me I'm going to have to wait until Christmas, but I know he got me. He, it was so funny. He had this poor guy, this French-speaking who barely spoke any English employee at the kit store, and he's got the employee, like, holding up all these different jerseys for me, and my dad's got me on FaceTime. He's like, what about this one? Oh, what about this one? Trying to tell the guy what to show me, and, again, the poor guy was, like, rough English. But pretty cool. Terrible towel. At a hey, p- hey, did you get me one? I didn't know your size. That's why I couldn't, you know. I mean, the body, you know, I don't want you Hulk, wow. Hulk smashing out of a jersey. And, you know, I couldn't. You I think could, you, you know a guy. You Liverpool fans, you know, I don't want my dad Me, buying a man. Liverpool jersey out you there. You know, beggars aren't choosers. You just, you know, I just thought we had a cool relationship. I thought we were close. Pretty cool. Terrible talent at a, at a Pittsburgh Symphony concert in France yesterday. Pretty cool that stuff. That is pretty dope, man. Three question Thursday for Arthur Motes. Speaking of Europe, speaking of overseas, uh, there's been a swift denial 
of Chargers owner Dean Spanos. Uh, <laughs> a couple, yeah. couple curse words in there too, but yeah, he basically just a few. he basically said that it was bleeping bull bleep. Bleepity bleep bleep. bleep. That's, that's about it. That's about all I could say uh, no. on on reports. Bleep bleep that, bleep. No. Bleep. On reports <laughs> that he's looking to move the Chargers for what would be what the second time in two or three years here yes. to London. Uh, Arthur Motes, I got a couple questions as it relates around this. Do you ever see? We'll start at the top. Do you ever see an NFL team in London full time? I personally don't, just because the logistics of the week to week teams having to go out there, your division opponents having to go out there. Uh, like I said, man, multiple times. Like, and then the playoff element of it. Imagine these guys are hosting a two rounds of the playoffs out there. Like, that's an unfair advantage for the team that has to fly out there. For that big matchup, man, I don't see it happening. And then from a fan base standpoint, I feel like anytime you get these international games, unless it's like the Steelers playing in Mexico, you're gonna get just generic fans of football. Right. And, and I'm speaking from experience because it's like when soccer teams come here, right? And I'm speaking from experience because when I played in Buffalo, we would always play every year Toronto, one right? to two games in Toronto. And it would be packed. So from an optic standpoint, it looked awesome. Man, sellout crowd. The Rogers Center. Oh, yeah. But it's the Bills versus the Seahawks, and you're seeing Peyton Manning jerseys, Tom Brady jerseys. You're seeing Randy Moss jerseys. You're seeing uh, Giants jerseys. Uh, all just random stuff. And they just cheer for anything that happens. It doesn't matter, good or bad, for whoever team. They're, They're just, just there for the action. Yeah! He's like, oh, this isn't, this is, and that's right. not even far from Buffalo, right? No, I mean, Toronto's what an hour drive, hour from and a half tops, yeah, yeah. But it's just different. I, I agree with you, and you know what I think too would just make it so unfeasible is we see this, right? Okay, so Darren Hall was brought into Pittsburgh last week, right? right. And then released, and then Sutton Smith was brought in for a day, and then released, and then Darren Hall comes you back. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that overseas. Yeah. You're gonna have these guys flying on eight hour cross cross world flights yeah. every and every then, week. And then this is before you add the tax element because that was another thing yes. we hated us when we were in Buffalo. When you cross that border and play in Canada, oh yeah, you're getting that Canada tax on your money. You're saying like, bro, this is sick. Sick. So is it more realistic then? Maybe because the time zone considerations too. More realistic that we could see a team in Canada or Mexico one day, or you still think that's way too far-fetched? Canada, yes. Mexico, because they're still doing Mexico City. Right. I'm not 100% sold on it because then you got to add the element of, okay, you don't mind living in London. You wouldn't mind living in Toronto. You really think they want to live in Mexico? That's the thing. And you get paid. I mean, granted, it's still, as long as it's the – the direct deposit mm-hmm. checked you're good but yeah you imagine man that first time you go into a bank trying <laughs> to deal Mexico, with your finances yeah. yeah and they hitting you with the oh well we don't give cash we give pesos and you're like i don't i don't want that because when you're in toronto yeah. you're getting their money you're getting the canadian the toonies and, the toonies and, and the loonies yeah and it's like the we call it funny money because it's colorful yeah I yeah. do like their currency the way it looks. I like how it looks, but I don't want to deal with it. Right. Yeah. And at least in Canada and in London, in Toronto and in London, English yes. is the primary language. Right. Mexico is not. So Spanish. you're going to have to learn Spanish. And even with Toronto, yes, English was the primary language, but you get in, you run into a lot of people that speak French. French up there. Oh, yeah. Because it's still like a big melting pot. Well, in Quebec terms, is almost pre- yeah. it's predominantly French speaking. Right. So those are my only concerns in terms of that. I mean, it's just a lot that goes into it. And that's my biggest thing. Last one. Will the Chargers stay in Los Angeles? Unfortunately, yes. I would rather they go back to San Diego, though. Me too. 
it just doesn't feel right. I don't know? want them to go to Vegas. I want them to go to San Diego. Qualcomm Stadium is still right there. You can renovate it right now while they're away. It's true. Get ahead of it. Play be, in L.A. for the next three years. Yeah, be proactive. Fix it up. Boom. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I just – and for all of us who still now, three years later, can't stop calling them the San Diego Chargers. Even though San Diego is so nice. It's a beautiful area. Yeah, right? That's one of my favorite places to play at. It's one of my favorite United States cities that I've ever been to. Fantastic area. I think particularly if you've got the kind of money that a football player has. You know, oh, what are you trying to say here? you would know about that I don't know What are you about? trying to say here? Uh, San Diego is a nice place to live. That's no, all, it is. That's Without all I'm trying to say. Without it, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've contemplated it before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. What a beautiful time. What a beautiful time. Three question Thursday. Question number two. A little honesty from Ezekiel Elliott yesterday. Oh, I was about to say, don't get me being honest up he here. Was, nah. He was asked, Zeke, do you think you're the best running back in the NFL right now? What would he say? He said, I wouldn't say so. Whoa. Yeah. He said, other guys are having better years than me right now. Who did he, he name? He named directly Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. Fair enough. He's better than Dalvin Cook, though. Who do you, so I want you to rank not necessarily how they're performing right at this instant, right? But in your mind, who are the best running backs in the National Football League? Is it is is Zeke still the guy you would most want? Is it Saquon Barkley? Is this it is, Christian this McCaffrey? Is my thing. What offense is it? Because Zeke fits his offense great, but I wouldn't want to use Zeke in Carolina's offense. I don't think right. he mixes the same way there. Right. Or maybe even the Vikings offense. Yeah. So like that's why I'm like, what, which offense? Like if I'm just in a perfect row, I'm going Zeke, Saquon, and then uh, I'm going Kamara. Yeah. Zeke, Saquon, Kamara, then McCaffrey. But even with McCaffrey, I'm still like 50-50 between him and L. Bell. L. Bell is just hard for me to see with him right now because he's in a terrible situation. Sure. But, you know, financially he's good. So, right. take how you want to take it. But with that, that's my only thing. I'm just like, I just need to know which offense these guys are going to be in because that changes a lot. It does change a lot. You're right. For the Alvin Kamaras of the world, right? Um, even for a guy like Dalvin Cook a little bit because that right. offense is kind of tailor-made for what he does. But, yeah, I, so you said um, just off top, right, no specific offense. You would go Zeke one. You said Saquon two. Saquon two, Kamara three. Kamara three. I think that's probably the same probably the same order I would have. I might swap Zeke and Saquon, but I don't think you really go wrong with either. Yeah. I, I would say in a traditional offense, right, I would want Zeke Elliott. But if I had a more mobile quarterback, if I was trying to do some more 2019 things, right, some more Sean McVay things, I'd want Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I mean, you bring Levin to but the see, conversation. That's the thing. If I'm going with Saquon, if I'm going uh, McVay's offense, give me Kamara. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. No doubt. I feel like he's like the guy for that. Isn't it kind of sad how we haven't even – David Johnson and Todd Gurley aren't even in this conversation and how quick that happened. Well, for me, I, I, I'll tell you this. Gurley is directly due to the injuries. David yes. Johnson, I never was a believer in David Johnson. He had the one year people went crazy and got paid after that. But I spent time with David Johnson last year. In you AZ, did. And – all my guys were asking me the same thing. Yo, is David really that nice? I know they talked about him being just as good as Le'Veon. I'm like, bro, it's not close. Like, I've seen them both. It's not. Le'Veon, what he can do when healthy, what he can do in the right offense, man, make guys miss, run guys over, running, catching. Like, David's a good player without a doubt, but not like that. Yeah. Not like that. I think that's kind of shown. Mm, yeah, not close. Shown these past couple years. Yeah. yeah. But it was, hey, man, when, when people want to argue, you know, Hey, man, man, that one year, yeah, yeah, that one year, yeah, 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 that's cool. I, I, I hear you. Prisoner of the moments, that's what I call them. 
Yeah, and uh, like you said, you don't have to be a prisoner of the moment with guys like Zeke, with guys like Alvin Kamara. I think even Saquon Barkley's getting to that point where you've just seen such the body of work. But I was surprised uh, when Zeke said, I wouldn't say so. Zeke's being humble, man. He understands if he says he's the best, that's just something else they're going to be talking about. Uh, I mean, it's probably headline news, whereas him saying I wouldn't say so was like, you know, halfway down the, it's the, like the list say, of news items on NFL.com. Yeah, it's it's kind of like when you say, with all due respect, Wes, I don't like your face. Whoa, you just like my hair. But it's with all due respect. So it's like, ah, oh, it ain't the same as if I was like, Wes, I can't stand your face. You see what I mean? You see the difference? William just tweeted us a picture on Twitter. It looks like him at the Parthenon, maybe. I think that's Greece holding up a terrible towel. Love it. I like it, baby. Love it. Love the terrible towel repping all across Europe. Yes, indeed. Three question Thursday. Question number three. (gasps) Okay. Here's where it gets real. Let's do it. I haven't dropped one of these on you for a couple weeks here. Because we had had Marvel movie debates. You know, is it real cinema to discuss? Last week, uh, we talked about the World Series, right, and what trophies you'd most want to win. So it's been a little while since I've gone to this well, Motsi. But today... November the 7th, National Men Make Dinner Day. I kid you not. They got a national day for everything. Nice. Today is National Men Make Dinner Day. So, Arthur Motes, what is the best dish or the best dinner that you chef up? Uh, Let's see. Personally, I like to go breakfast for dinner. Yeah, I'm a French toast, bacon, eggs, omelet. That's my go-to if I'm going to do it. Or you can do the, um, I guess one of my favorites I've done would be the lasagna shells from scratch, though. Not not none of the box stuff. Like, go make it from scratch like a real man supposed to. Like, that's probably my favorite, man. Yeah, what about you, man? I got two things that I'd say that I do pretty darn well if I can toot my own horn. Okay. The first would be salmon. Okay. I'm a salmon expert. Some salmon yeah. with pasta on the grill. Okay. Oh, I, I marinate it in this yosa sauce, uh-huh. which is similar to soy sauce. Right, right. But more for, more for dumplings than than, than yeah. soy sauce. So I marinate the salmon in a yosa sauce, mm-hmm. right? And then I cut thinly cut lemons. Okay. Put the lemons down on the grill. Grill the salmon yeah, on the flavor, yeah. grill the salmon on top of the lemons mm-hmm. with some nice peppered pasta. Okay. And maybe some garlic bread and some okay. broccoli. So that's probably what I do best, but I'm also mozi. I'm pretty good at making burgers on the grill. Oh, all right. Okay. Burgers on okay. the grill, nice medium little pink on but the see, inside like, I, still. I mean, I don't really – I know grilling is a part of it, but, like, when I think of dinner, when I think of chefing, like – Okay. Is, is that weird? Like, No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, in the kitchen. In right, the kitchen. I feel like I got to be in the kitchen. Like, like chicken parm. Right, right. I look at, like, dinner. If I'm cooking dinner as in, like, I'm in the kitchen – Whereas if I'm cooking burgers and and hot dogs and steaks, it's like I'm just on the grill. You're just on the grill. You know what I mean? That's like, a fair point. Yeah, I don't Whereas know why cooking though. Cooking dinner is maybe more of a you gotta you know you gotta take care of the sides, right, and right. The veggies, yeah. and the, you know the bread or whatever else. Yeah, you got going I, I don't on. know why I think like that, but yeah, that's a good point by you. All right, so if I took the grill out of it, I would say chicken parm. Okay, I can make a mean chicken parm, buddy. Mm, chicken parm is nice. Mean chicken parm. I like a little chicken parm. So I'm, 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 I'm a big breakfast guy, man. I love cooking breakfast. Yeah. Bro. That's my thing. My go-to signature breakfast, some tater tots. Mm, okay. Uh, some, what's the, the name I'm looking for now? Uh, like Eggs Benedict. Um, the, oh, okay. The type of egg. What's the, what's the name for that? You know what I'm talking about? Where it's, what's the name? It's not scrambled. It's not fried. Oh, sunny side up. You know, no. It's similar to Over sunny, easy? No, it's, ah, uh, what's the name of it? 
Oh, it's it's all it's very similar to over easy. Um, but you get some tater tots, right? And then you get the egg that's like yeah. that's like eggs Benedict style. And then you make bacon or sausage, right? And mm, then you layer them. Yeah. You put the tots down first. Yeah, see, and you for put me, the runny man, egg. like I'm not a runny egg. My wife likes like really. That. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh oh. Uh-oh. But now, who cooks more? Poached man? egg. That's the oh, term. Poached. That's okay. the term that I'm looking for. Well, I was just saying, who, who cooks? Who cooks more in your household? You or uh, Morgan? It's it's pretty close, but I'd say Morgan. Uh, it's like a it's like a evolving thing. Okay. So during football season, right? Yes. So from like training camp in July through like Christmas, uh-huh. it's Morgan okay. because you know a lot of times I'm not getting home until later. Right. We got shows in the evenings, things of that nature. Yeah. But in the, in our downtime. You know where I'm more. There's a lot more days where I'm home at, at three or four o'clock, uh-huh. something like that. I do more of the cooking, so nice. it's a it's a nice balance in there that we've got going. Hey, on. Hey man, my wife loves to cook. I don't want to step on her toes, man. Yeah, Morgan does. Too. And hey. I I say this too. Like I've told you this before. When I was in Youngstown, that was the last when I was living in Youngstown by myself before I moved out to Philly, like a month before Morgan and I got married. Yeah. Moats, you should see some pictures of me back then. I mean, I was pushing 190 pounds. Oh. I was 187, 188 pounds. I'm like a buck 55 now. Wow. And I, people ask me all the time, I attribute it completely to Morgan cooking. Because when I was wow. in Youngstown, I, I, I went out to yeah. eat for every minute. I never cooked at home, and I ate, yeah. like, crap and a lot of fast food and a lot of takeout. Absolutely. Where now Morgan cooks dinner four nights a week, yeah. five nights a week, and I got the veggies, and I got no the, question. the grilled a, hey, chicken and the salmon. Hey, man, you find a woman that could cook, you hold on to her. Shout out to my wife. Love you, Sean. <laughs> Shout You're out cooking. to the wifeies. But today is National Men Make Dinner Day. Hey man, you cooking tonight? Taco Taco Thursday? No man. So uh, actually tonight I got a couple things I to go to man. We probably oh, just do you? yeah we're gonna slum it man. Probably wing it up. Yeah, like get some nights. wings. Like, yeah, 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 nice. yeah, yeah, it's one of them nights. You man. got a, you got a local spot? Local well, local wing spot? I go to a couple places tonight. I'll probably go to Big Shot Bob's. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I can't help. It. I don't like to discriminate. Oh, that's a I, good one. Know, I, I dibble and dabble here and there. Yeah, that's 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 a move tonight probably. <laughs> National Men Make Dinner Day or National Men. Pick up takeout day, depending on how yeah. you want to look True. at it. Well, besides, man, me and my wife, we don't like to just abide by the man-made holidays and rules. That's right. It's kind of like Valentine's Day. Don't tell me you love me just because it's Valentine's Day. Don't buy me flowers just because it's Valentine's Day. In right. fact, if I come home with flowers on Valentine's Day, my wife going to look at me like I'm crazy. Same here. Like, that's how it is. I like it. We got to get our wives together We one need of these to, days. man. You know, you be big time me all the time, though. Gosh, I think we're friends. <laughs> when we come back here, we started this yesterday. We'll finish it today. A little... Mid-season superlatives, if you will. We'll wrap that up and get to your reaction when we return. You already know the drill on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. You're inside the Electric Factory. Euler Emotes with you here on Steelers Blitz on SNR. You're listening to SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. In a 17-game, 17-week, I should say, season, because it's 16 games, 17-week season like the National Football League, you never get a true halfway point. But 16 games, the Steelers have played eight so far. I can do that, Matt. That's 50% of their games in the books so far. Motsi and I, yesterday, we did some some midway evaluations, some mid-season superlatives, if you will. And we said we had some more today for you as well before we completely turn the page tomorrow and deep dive into Steelers-Ravens. You ready for a couple more of these, Motsi? Yeah, let's do it, baby. Come on. What has been the strongest unit 
on the Pittsburgh Steelers to this point? Would you go secondary? Would you go Man. defensive line in front? Would you go offensive line for the Steelers? The strongest unit for the Steelers so far through eight games. Now, by far, this is probably the hardest one to answer because I could talk about these outside linebackers or mm -hmm. linebackers in general, mm -hmm. but this secondary is – yeah, it's tough. I think I'm going to go linebackers, and here's why. TJ Bud, Devin Bush. Because the you were season, a linebacker. And that too. But the season those three guys are having collectively. I mean, you got a guy in Devin Bush who, granted, I think he's still fall, he's falling behind in the rookie of the year race, but he's still in that conversation. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Bud and TJ are both playing on Pro Bowl caliber levels right now. And they're all just continuing to make big plays and big games and big moments. That's the thing that I love with all three of those guys. But then when I think about the secondary, I mean, how could you not talk about Mika Fitzpatrick? How could you not talk about Steven Nelson's impact? Those two guys in particular. But for me, I'm just saying, like, I think that it's been more splash created between the three of TJ, Bud, and Devin than just sure. Minka, Steven, Joe, and Edmonds. And that's why that I say it's the linebackers. Yeah. It, it certainly is a man. It's a split and hairs conversation. It is, man. Uh, man, you can even talk. It, it's, it's crazy. We don't ever really, when we talk about the strength of the secondary, we rarely mention Mike Hilton, right? right. And Cam Sutton, who have, been a, who have been a huge part of it as well. Man, that's a tough one. It is. I think I'll go secondary just to play, you know, just well, so we're not picking the same here. Well, because you can make the argument that the – <laughs> His touch, touch comes in here and messing with us. Giving a little flavor. <laughs> but, uh, I thought he was going to give us a practice. I thought you were going to give us a practice update. My favorite radio star. Oh, his favorite <laughs> radio stars. <laughs> but when we're thinking about the argument about who's the better unit, you could say that the LBs are a direct correlation to the secondary no success. Doubt. No doubt. And then it's you a could, chicken or egg conversation, right? But right? you can say the same thing for the secondary. The reason they're so playing so they're well is because so well. the guys up front are getting home. Yeah. No, it, it's it's. Let's just say this: they've both greatly benefited each other definitely to, to this point. Definitely. All right. So the opposite of this, right? Who has oh, been? Man. I don't like to use the word disappointment, right? Who wants you? Who leaves but, you wanting more? And I, I don't even think this could be not necessarily a unit on the team. It could be more of just an element of their game, right? So, oh, you let me trying throw, to let me go soft on me, man? Let me put it out. Let me put it out this way for you. All right. Let me hear this. Who? Who would you who, like who you to see? see do who do you want to see? Do? All right, here's how. What has been the weakest link to the Steelers' offense? You're so, why are you being so politically correct? Just say which unit has been underperforming and which unit has been performing well. Pass game, run game, or third down, possession down, conversion. Which of those has been the biggest detriment to the offense? Is how it, about that? Is it just those three? Well, you can you can expand it if you want to. I mean, I'm asking the, I'm asking the question, but you're giving I mean, the answer. Red zone offense, yeah. You know, but if we're not going to go red zone offense, then I would definitely have to say it's the passing game. I I think that the expectations for that group going in, I think, were high, especially with Juju, especially when you thought about James Washington in the preseason that he had. Now, granted, we got to factor in the uh, the equation that hey, they did lose. Ben Roethlisberger. Absolutely. They, they have had injuries with Mason Rudolph. So, in that regard, there has been some turnover. And, yes, they have been getting open at times. But for the expectations to be what they were for that particular group, 
they still have not lived up to them close at all. And, I mean, you can also make an argument for the running game as well. Sure. I mean, it's there. But I think the receiving group is definitely the biggest one because I don't know if the expectations were as high in that backfield as they were for this receiving group. I would agree. And not would. to mention the Moncrief, that, that experiment, how that right. fell flat on his face. That's a good point, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Who's been the biggest unsung hero for the Steelers at this point, Motsi? And, I I mean, I don't know. This could be kind of a cop-out, but I think it's Steven Nelson because while you and I give him praise all the time, he's still kind of flying under the radar, I think, in the bigger picture and how much credit he deserves for what we've seen from this defense. Yeah, Minka's getting a lot of talk, and T.J. Watt, and Bud, and, and you know, even Cam Sutton and, and Mike Hilton are getting praised for their contributions but I really think while we've given him a ton of love, Steven Nelson in the big picture is still a little unsung. Well, if you're going Steven Nelson, I'm going with Boz. Ooh, Boz that's is a the good guy one. That that's they, a real good remember, one. Remember, was on the fence in terms of whether they even keep him on the roster. Did not guarantee his money until he made the final roster. The criticism he received last year talked about multiple times. Should we release him? Should they keep him? But he found a way. He got back healthy. And you can see a direct correlation to healthy boss versus not healthy boss. And his performance has been top notch. He's what the only kicker in the league that hasn't missed a field goal yet. Or excuse me, extra points yet. So in that regard, I mean he's playing top notch. Is he the only one in the league yeah. that hasn't missed an extra point? Or I, I believe he's the only one left for his Good stat pool by you. Yeah, because Tucker was the other guy. I know Tucker missed one. Yeah, yeah. Tucker missed one, yeah. Yep. Look at you. That's my job usually coming out here with the stats. Right, well, then, no, no, you know, I won't stat it up no more then, man. You know, I just try to do what no, I can, man. I'm just man. kidding. I'm just kidding. No, man, but he's been, like, playing just crazy. Yeah. No, that's a good call by you. And, and, and the thing that I think about, too, when we talk about kickers and how they typically – it's mental for those guys, right, getting out their own heads and stuff like that. This dude had to overcome that criticism. He had to overcome that believing in himself. He had to overcome the team having questions in terms of their long-term security or their long-term feelings on him. When, you, when the organization tells you, hey, I know we're supposed to guarantee you this money right now, but we'll, we'd rather cut you before guaranteeing this money. Like, that says something. That messes with you mentally. Yeah. And then when they tell you, look, we'll guarantee your money if you're on opening day roster. Like, that's, wow. Mm -hmm. We want you to defer this roster bonus. Yeah. If not, we're going to cut you. What? But, hey, he handled it the right way, man. Yeah, he's taking it on the chin, and he's really bounced back. Without a doubt, man. Complete so, 180. So, I got to say him, man. Biggest, and, I, and I'm going to take Ben Roethlisberger out of this because that wouldn't be much of a discussion. Ooh. That'd be that'd be a quick that'd be a quick 10-second conversation. Biggest loss other than Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Munchek, Daryl Drake, Stephon Tuitt, or Antonio Brown? Those are some good ones, huh? I mean... <laughs> If we, I mean, I think this is pretty easy. It's Antonio Brown. What he meant to that offense, what he meant to Juju, what he meant to this running game. I think particularly in the red zone, too, we're seeing that now. It's not even close. The impact that he has when he's on the field in terms of the attention that he draws, in terms of the catches, the combat catches, the safety blanket, triple coverage, double coverage, it doesn't matter. He's going to come down with the ball, his run-after ability. He makes everyone else's life so much easy on the field when he's playing at a high level like I used to do. 
We've gotten some tweets here from Joseph, from oh, Russell, man. asking about Antonio Brown. Because Give the people what they want. About an hour ago. Give the people what they well, want. Well, no, I guess at this point, sorry, almost two hours ago, because it was right before we went on air. Yes. Antonio Brown kind of went on a Twitter storm. What did he right? say? What did he, so do the big, tell. Well, do tell. the big question, right, Motsi, has been, will we see him in an NFL uniform again this season or yes, ever? that's correct. I think it's starting to look less and less likely. Because oh, and why is that? Here's what he tweeted. I'm going to have to uh, I'm gonna have to censor some of this, all right? So bear with me here. But he tweeted, imagine conforming to a system, giving it 100% to see them treat me like this unfairly. Is He said it just like that? No, he did not say it just like that. Oh, wow. I, I, I did some hooked on phonics. Uh, uh, okay, okay. I'm like, man, that, I don't remember it sounding like that. Making money off my sweat and blood. Huh. Bleep the NFL. Huh. And he actually tagged the NFL in it. He did. I'll never play in that bleep. When you say bleep, what does that mean? Well, it's two separate bleeps. <laughs> but they're both four-letter words. Uh, clear my name oh, and go bleep yourself. What is what bleep myself? Oh, oh, Lord. But I think the big kicker in here, right, is he says bleep the NFL and tags the NFL. I'll never play in that bleep. Bleepity bleep bleep bleep. Clear my name and go bleep yourself. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't even read this tweet because it's so bad. I got the FCC creeping over my shoulder right now. I can just feel him like, go ahead, say it, say it, say it. Come on, I know say you're gonna it. Say it. We're gonna say it. We're gonna find you. We're gonna suspend you. We're gonna find iHeartRadio. You better see it. Arthur Motes, it's looking more and more likely like we're not gonna see this guy on an NFL field. Certainly not this year, I don't think, but probably not ever again. Uh, I mean, I agree and. And he's going to be 32 by next season, Yes, it's right? a lot of factors. And then you also have to add into the element from a financial standpoint, how much is he willing to play for? I don't think he's, he's willing to take, take a, a Josh Gordon. Like, Josh Gordon takes deals right now that are very low compared to his value. But Correct. he's trying to prove himself and just get back in. Whereas A.B. has made a, a ton of money. And I think that he believes that he's worth X amount of dollars and he's not willing to play for anything less, similar to Navarro Bowman. Yeah. Navarro Bowman said, I'd rather walk away than play for less than the number that I feel I deserve. So with that being the case, yeah, that's not, not looking too promising right now, man. All right. Last one for you as it goes from uh, – as, as we talk – as we wrap up our kind of midseason point here and we wrap up the show – Person, single most person that you want to see a a second half surge from, right? So if you can only pick one person on this team who you want to see really improve, really come on, right? A second half surge, who are you going with? James Washington. I think the expectation for him after his preseason, I mean, it was very high. We thought that he was going to be able to do a lot of things. And then even when Mason took over, you expected him and Mason to instantly click because of their collegiate rapport. Sure. That hasn't been the case up until last week where he finally showed some of that potential. He finally showed some of that playmaking ability. He's the guy I want to see really step on the scene. I really want to see him step up and make a case for himself to be the number two guy or or be a valuable threat in this league or for this offense. I think he has that potential with his size, with his speed, with his hands. But I think it's more so mental in a lot of those regards for him. Sure. But I need that light to hit click. I need I need it to happen. I need him to be the guy and really step up in a big way. I like it. I'm going to go. Uh, that would have been my answer, too. So I'll go with Benny Snell Jr. Mm. Because I just think the Steelers really need someone to emerge in that backfield, right, as a true every down type. We know that James Conner can be, right, but with his injury status, they they need a horse. Injury status? You're talking 
they need a horse, right, that they can ride in that backfield, whether it's James Conner, whether it's Benny Snell. And, and I just think Snell, at least we know his timetable it seemingly and his, his injury status. I'd like to see Benny Snell get a second-half surge in there, kind of like we saw from, uh, from rookie Juju Smith-Schuster, right? That true, we, yeah. That, we've seen, that we saw from, um, from James Conner at times as well, too. But some, uh, some, certainly some viable candidates there, no doubt. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to Brian Backo for joining us from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thanks to everybody who tweeted, as always, the power grid, the megawatts. We appreciate your participation. And thanks to our guy Brian LaMartina for producing everything back at HQ. We will talk to Yins. Ooh, same time, same place tomorrow on the day before the day before. We will deep dive into Steelers-Rams, and you know that means Motsi will have his five-star Friday oh, yeah. matchups for you yeah, as we well. we get that paper. Show me the money. Got to do that. We'll do that all same time, same place. High noon. We'll talk to you then tomorrow, as always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio.